Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 283. My name is Douglas Wilson. I'm glad to have you with us. What I want to talk about is um, uh, today is something that is obvious to anybody who looks at the state of our cultural flame out, right? We are currently in a, uh, a, a situation of rampant hostility, and this hostility is probably as bad as, as it has ever been in our country, at least since the late 1850s. I want to bring in, to help us sort through this, I want to bring in uh, some insights from René Girard. When you read Girard, uh, he's got some fantastic insights, but not all of his insights are fantastic. There, there are times when evangelical Christians would say, okay, not that, or okay, not that. But he really understands uh, the dynamics of how crowds function, how mobs function, how mass movements happen. And one of the things he talks about, and he talks about this in his book, I See Satan uh, Fall Like Lightning, is how easy it is for a situation where there is high tension, a lot of crackle in the air, when there's a war of all against all, how easy it is for the war, the war of all against all to do a hard pivot into a war of all against one. Got that structure? There's a war of all against all. Everybody is at everybody else's throats. Nobody likes anybody. It's uh, sort of a serious dysfunction in society, a war of all against all. And at a certain moment, there's a hard pivot, and it turns into a war of all against one. This is the contagion of mob violence, uh, what Gerard call, elsewhere calls um, uh, a society in sacrificial crisis. And what, what, what it means is that at some point, as people build up together, it's sort of like water vapor gathering in the sky. Large populations are like thunderheads. And at some point, an electrical charge is going to build up. And then this electrical charge is going to need to issue forth with lightning bolts, and the lightning is going to have to hit somewhere. Now, in, in the 1850s, it resulted in the carnage of the Civil War, with 600,000 dead. In other words, it's a, serious, it's, a, it's a serious sort of thing. But sometimes it sort of pivots and, and it selects a single individual, and that individual is sort of blamed for everything. And then that person is exiled or killed or, you know, destroyed. Now, this is an awareness of this mechanism, this sacrificial mechanism, is something that shrewd, not godly, but shrewd, hard, hard-headed and hard-hearted people have known from the beginning of the world. This is one of the reasons why uh, societies have practiced human sacrifice. This is why Caiaphas says, you all know nothing. It is fitting that one person die for the whole country. So the war of all against all turns into the war of all against one. And the, the current state of discourse in the United States, the current 
inflamed animosities that we see going on around us, which are simply terrible. Uh, this is, we, we are in a state of sacrificial crisis. We don't get along, and we can't get along under the current setup. It's not possible for us to get along. So, I think we ought to be braced for and be looking for our society to unload on somebody. And who might that be? Well, I'm, I'm not positive, but it could be someone like Donald Trump, or it could be a small country that we need to declare to be the enemy of the gods and, and obliterate. It could be, in worst case scenario, it could be uh, the mayhem of a second uh, civil war. But the thing, that you, the thing that you have to recognize is pent-up cultural hostilities have to go somewhere. Pent-up cultural hostilities have to go somewhere. And for Christians, and particularly for Christian preachers of the gospel, we should want it to go toward the only true sacrificial victim, which would be um, done through a preaching of the vicarious death of Christ on the cross. Christ's death on the cross was given by God to us as the death of all envy. And so, uh, the only way I can see us averting either a, a grotesque scapegoating event or a grotesque war is if there's a great reformation with preachers rolling up their shirt sleeves in order to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Always will be God. Continuing on with episode 283 in the podcast, uh, we come to our segment that we call hamartiology. By this point, you really should know that hamartiology means the study of sin, theologically, not practically. There are no labs. This week, the word is eris, E-R-I-S, eris, which means strife, contention, variance, or debate. The KJV renders it in all these different ways, but they all amount to the same thing, particularly when you see them in context. Now, there are some sins that people do not display at church or even talk about, things like porn use or drunkenness or meth addiction. But there are other sins, like this one, that are frequently on display and at congregational meetings, even. Sometimes people will exhibit their, their predilection to strife in front of all the other Christians in the church. Uh, strife is a church sin. It's a, unfortunately, it's a very common church sin. So here's some examples. Romans 13, 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife. There it is, and envying. Now, as I go through these verses, I want you to notice in all of these mentions, pretty much all of them, uh, how strife is right next door to envy. Strife and envying is uh, their next door neighbors. And then he, First Corinthians three three, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, there you go, and strife, there you go, and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Notice that Paul says that strife is a hallmark of carnality. Philippians 1.15, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. So again, envy and strife right next door. And then 1 Timothy 6.4, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, right next door again, envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. So this kind of carping, criticizing, quarreling, biting, backbiting, um, that's, that's what this sin is. In other places, it is translated as debate, but you can tell what kind of debate it is by the company it keeps. Romans one twenty nine, 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate. There it is. Debate right next to murder. So we're not talking about the debate club at Harvard. We're talking about strife, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. Then in 2 Corinthians 12.20, again, For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, there we are, envyings right next door, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. All right, so strife there, right right in the thick of all. So even when when rendered as debate, it's right in in the thick of this cluster of nasty attitude sins. Another way to come at it is with the word contention. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you, meaning strife, quarrels. And then in Titus 3.9, But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Unprofitable and vain. And for one last translation of it, we can look at the list of works of the flesh that Paul gives us in Galatians 5. And here the word is variance. And again, you can tell what kind of variance it is through the company it keeps. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. There you go. Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Galatians 5.20. God don't never change. He's God. So, continuing on with the podcast, episode 283, the book review this time around is a book called God's Battalions by Rodney Stark. God's Battalions by Rodney Stark. I've, I've read other books by Stark and have uh, really enjoyed them, Victory of Reason, and then one about the rise of Christianity. I forget the title. Uh, he's, a, he's a really competent historical writer, and he's also, he's also not swayed by uh, what we would now call political correctness. Uh, so this book, God's Battalions, is sort of a brief history of and summary of uh, the Crusades. And what his, his thesis is, is that the, the Crusades were not an unprovoked attack on the peace-loving Muslims by the hostile, militant Christian West. That's not what it was. Now, anybody who has a even a modicum of an understanding of how history has gone knows that the Muslims were the fundamental aggressors in the east-west relations when after after Muhammad dies and he has he has a theology of Allah showing his favor on those who impose their uh, impose Allah's will by means of the by means of the sword that that theology had consequences and when the muslim hordes came pouring out of arabia they uh, the, the Mediterranean had been uh, a Christian lake. Uh, the Christianity had become the religion of the Roman Empire. Uh, all of North Africa was Christian. Spain, uh, Italy, Greece—you know—Christianity was solidly um, rooted in that area. And the Muslims basically attacked the West, and their attack of the West was entirely unprovoked and for a and for a century after muhammad's death uh, the muslims conquered and conquered and conquered until they were finally stopped by charles martel at the battle of tours in france that was sort of their high watermark now 
if you want to talk about crusades, that was the first set of crusades that were launched, and they were launched against the Christians by the Muslims. Then life staggers on, as it uh, tends to do, and what happened uh, when we get into the era of the Christian crusades is that a lot of Christians had begun uh, conducting pilgrimages to the Holy Land to see the place where Jesus walked and so on. And the Muslims started harassing and interfering with, and uh, up to and including massacring uh, bands of Christian uh, pilgrims. And it got to a level where it it was just really pretty bad. And the emperor of the East, the Byzantine emperor, called for help from the West. The first crusade was preached, and uh, and the crusade, these crusades were very expensive operations. And part of Stark's purpose is to show that the crusades were justified and not driven by simple greed. There was uh, genuine religious devotion mixed in with it, but at the same time, Stark doesn't sugarcoat or pretend that everything was noble and clean and pure, uh, because it clearly wasn't. But nevertheless, as geopolitical issues go, he, he demonstrates beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Crusades were a belated reaction to Muslim provocations and were entirely, on, on that level, were entirely justified. Now, that, that much I've known for quite a while, but Stark gets into the details of the Crusades in such a way as to contextualize even things that, that you might have given up for, oh, okay, yeah, the Salem Witch Trials were bad, and yeah, the Spanish Inquisition was bad, and yeah, okay, I grant you the fourth Crusade, which resulted in the Christian West sacking Constantinople. Uh, how 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 did a crusade against the Muslims turn into sacking the <laughs> principal city of the Eastern uh, of the Eastern Christians? Well, this is something where Stark is a lot is also very helpful. Again, not trying to make the sack of Constantinople look like a convention of Sunday school superintendents, which it wasn't, but. It was that was not unprovoked either. One of the things that comes out in this history of the Crusades is how many times the emperor of Byzantium double crossed the Western Crusaders, either by abandoning them on the eve of battle or not sending troops that he promised he would send or making treaties with Muslims. You know, it, he double crossed them many times. And the last instance of this double crossing resulted in a Christian army, a Western Christian army, close by Constantinople, stranded, out of food and out of money, uh, and nowhere to go. And so they went to Constantinople. That's what happened there. So, if you like revisionist history that's responsibly done, not revisionist history that is done by people who just wish it were otherwise, but someone who's a competent historian and who looks at things a little bit differently, I would recommend Rodney Stark to you, and particularly this book called God's Battalions. (laughs) 